Ding, 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 ding. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of Be sad. Well, do you have anything else to say yeah, about I'm Inferring Yeah, sure we have other things. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, well, so are there any other series that do this well? I'm like, video games do it. Bioshock mm-hmm. 1 and Bioshock 2 did it, but that's not the same. Uh, I don't know if uh, any They bring up Tenant. Remember Tenant? Uh, which is a movie that inverts itself. Um, <laughs> I'm like Bioshock. Bioshock One and Bioshock Two do it. If has anybody played those games, or am I the only? I know Bioshock One. I don't okay. know Bioshock Two. So I had no idea it gets inverted. Well, two, you kind of become a big daddy. You do, but it's more the the philosophies are inverted because the first one is is Ayn Randian individualism. And so the idea is like, that's the philosophy of the city. Whereas the second one is sort of ultimate communism, where literally every single human mind will be hybridized into one mind. Uh, so the idea is that it's the it's the total opposite in terms of becoming a, a hybridized communist instead of a, a complete single individuals. So that one does it. I, I think fairly effectively. I actually like Bioshock too, though I know it got bad reviews, but I actually like that one. But that that's definitely one that takes a philosophy. You sort of need something like that almost. You either need like a time frame where you can flip a circumstance or you need philosophies. I bet there's ones that have philosophies that do it, that have sort of like you you take a philosophy of, you know, in one extreme and you flip it to the opposite extreme. Yeah, video games remind me Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., in the first one, you're trying to save the princess from the ape. In the second one, you're the ape's kid trying to save the ape from the Mario. <laughs> I, I, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you play Bioshock Infinite at all, Pat? Yes, I did. So um, that, that, that I didn't play very far, but I assumed I thought that was going to be the communist dystopia as opposed to the libertarian dystopia of the first one no the second one was the communist dystopia so the first one was libertarian second one was communist the third one is really weird um the third one's like a alternate universe like you know manifest destiny american manifest destiny thing and like mm. and it's it's like it's it's a that one's very weird and then it gets very meta like it starts making commentary on video games themselves. Oh. You know, it like it literally turns into like a commentary on like playing the video game becomes a commentary on the playing of video games. <laughs> because like, you know, they make the point that like in a video game, yeah, you can do anything you want, but there's always some choices that the video game forces you to make. And so literally that's like the whole thing is like they can change the world, but only within limited constraints because there'll always be some point where mm-hmm. they have to like branch off. Bring so the back. universe itself yeah. actually reinforces the point of the game. It's really weird. Yeah, the Stanley Parable does that too, another video game. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. That one plays with your head. But even yeah. the first Bioshock 2 does um, something similar. It, it they, they play the trick on you where they say a phrase over and over again and you do it because mm-hmm. it's a video game. And then they say, you know, why'd you do that? And like, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, maybe I should have done something else. It is true. Yeah, but you can't. It's in the video game. Right. That actually that actually was a clever thing, too. You're right. Yeah. That actually was a clever use of the thing, because in the in the first Bioshock game, mm-hmm. there's you're basically being mind controlled. And the guy who's controlling your mind will always say a certain phrase. 
And when he says it, you have to do the thing that he said. So in the video game, they just won't let you do anything until you do the thing. That, but it's just mm-hmm. like, as far as a video game trope is concerned, you're just like, oh yeah, I have to pick up that thing because yeah. mm-hmm. that's all what the game told do, me right. to do. Mm-hmm. All yeah. video games do it, but they never actually give you a reason why you did. <laughs> Whereas this game actually goes out and says like, no, 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 you did it because of something we put in the story. It's actually pretty clever. Oh, very good. But nothing yeah. to do with yeah. inverting. But... <laughs> so maybe there's far less inverting going on than I thought. I there, yeah, I there feel like it's all over be. though. I feel like it's all over, but I yeah. just can't think of it. Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like different trilogies that 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 might be a like I don't think the color trilogy does it. Um I feel like Wes does Wes Anderson do it? Doesn't Wes no. Anderson do it sometimes? He might. I don't know his movies well enough. I feel like he's got ones where he takes like characters who have like every you know they have everything and yet they fail and then he takes other characters who have nothing and yet they succeed like wes anderson does it sometimes Mm. with characters stephen king did it in these two books i think desperation and the regulators and what he did was he inverted the like the books have the same characters but they're in different worlds and they have different roles so the characters have the same name, but they have different social positions and, and what have you. And I read these books in elementary school. So if, if you want to give me more, if you want me to give you more detail, I will be not able to do that. Um, but the it was interesting because I remember the covers actually, if you put the covers together, they make a single painting. Ah. Um, and there was an inversion there. I couldn't tell you why he did that. Um, <laughs> I remember like in like sixth grade, Tom Lehman thought that was really cool, but I, I don't... I don't know how much. Uh, how much... John John Guare does it with House of Blue Leaves and Marco Polo sings a solo, but those are no one. No one no, is going those. to know those. Yeah, what is he does House of When does he do it with Marco Polo sings a solo? This is the same thing. It's like characters who have everything in the entire world. That they've oh, ever... Marco Polo sings a solo. They can do anything they want. Literally, mm. they can travel through time. They can make mm. anything. And yet they still fail. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He goes, Marco, and then nobody calls back. I don't even remember why it's called Marco Polo Sings a Solo. There probably was yeah. no reason for it. Or just Jungware thought it was funny to rhyme them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I thought of another thing, maybe. I guess it's kind of uh, the Fast and Furious movies, starting with four. Whoever the villain is joins the team on the next one. That's a bit of an invert. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, do we have any movies where there's a hero and an anti-hero? This year, and then we follow the anti-hero later on. I mean, that's happened with a Batman. lot of the villain stories mm-hmm. that have been coming out with like Maleficent and all of mm-hmm. like Joker. that kind of stuff. Joker, yeah, Joker. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the, the whole like idea. Well, and Wicked. That's an that's that's, an that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. one. Well done. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do we think is better, Escape from Planet of the Apes or Wicked? What's, uh... I, I have avoided <laughs> Wicked because I've never seen it. I when I was coming up as I was an actor at one point. When I was coming up as an actor, that's when Wicked was big, and every yeah, single yeah. blonde woman who could sing sang that song. Popular, that was like the audition <laughs> song du jour. And I was like, I Good will way. never see this because I've heard this damn song so many times. I will never see this musical in protest for having to hear this damn song so often. Tom, you would have made a good Gilda. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, you know what's an, actually a good inversion? Oh, here, Frozen um, doesn't. Frozen does it. Yeah. Frozen doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, Frozen is an inversion. Frozen saying. is an inversion. Yeah. The, like the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so I haven't seen the second. Right, but she's is the it... villain, right? Elsa is absolutely the villain. She well, like, it's more that you down. think it's that it's the romance is supposed to be between her, like that the mm. the the guy is meant to be her true love, and then you find out that it's not. 
that it's actually the sister. Like that one, to- that one takes the the standard Disney script and flips it. Mm-hmm. That one definitely does it. Yeah. Well, also the sequel flips kind of what it has. I I saw this once with my nieces and nephews, so it's a little fuzzy. But if I remember, it has to do a lot with kind of the push of indigenous people, and so it's more like mm. this kingdom had this land and that was how things were supposed to be but in fact that isn't who who owned it but i'm i'm doing a really bad job of describing this um but but it made you rethink like the actual like borders and sovereignty for people maybe who, i don't know if anyone else is more familiar with frozen 2 uh, but I, yeah, but I've also only seen it once. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Daniel Tiger does it in the sense that like a lot of kids' shows are good, and that thing yeah. is total crap. <laughs> Daniel Tiger gives great practical advice. It gives very good angry, practical advice. But count, the number like... of times I've seen that show, I'm going to murder. The one I had, which Pat, you've read the book, the, book. But the Robert Altman film. A lot of Robert Altman films invert genres. In interesting ways, and actually, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is a really interesting genre inversion of the Western. Um, but his movie, The Long Goodbye, based on the Raymond Chandler novel, is a is sort of an inversion of the detective story because the detective in it is just like not that cool, like <laughs> you know, that, that sort of noir thing going on, and also the setting is entirely in sunlight. Um, actually, if we want to think of another noir which is set in sunlight. We could think of Chinatown, yeah, which is another one which sort of inverts those standard tropes by setting everything in this kind of sun-drenched Los Angeles. And and Altman does that. Altman makes these genre movies that aren't that invert the kind of genre standards. Be it like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which has a western in which like you have the the prostitute and the gunslinger, right? Two classic characters. But they're completely flipped. They're really different from what you would would expect. McCabe is um, initially presented to us as this kind of like can shoot anyone down type of person. And as the movie progresses, you realize, oh, this guy's never actually shot anyone. He's sort of, uh, you know, he's not he's he's not this like tough guy who can lead the day type thing. Um and you know etc etc and so i'd say like the movies of robert altman i think the long goodbye is a really good example of an inversion and you said what it feels like what it feels like is almost what you need for this to work the more we're talking about this is that you need in order for this to work you almost have to have either a genre that's really familiar to people like the noir or the disney film or whatever happens to be and then you you intentionally take that thing and alter parts of it so you flip characters around like you flip a an ingenue or whatever and the then the detective or whatever you're going to do or or you take a philosophy and you flip that on its head or you take as we were saying like a time period or you have to have really well-defined things to flip is what it sort of feels like and you if if you have those things you can make this work pretty well well actually. like 500 days of summer um how they start like the opening is introducing your two characters and it says like at the beginning uh um this is not a love story even though it's done everything to set you up for a romantic comedy but it warns you at the beginning this isn't a love story and it's it's correct but the whole thing is designed like a romantic comedy um and it it's the the settings itself um but the message of that film is very much like that i, I don't know if you have seen 500 days of summer but oh it's it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, yeah? oh, I love it. It's yeah. it's so good. Um, but like really, 
the argument of that film is that like relationships can be successful but not last essentially like what the characters needed um they got out of that relationship but they also needed to break up essentially um but it but you have the main character tom um this is character's name yeah um who's this romantic and is following all the steps he thinks of a romance even though it's very clearly laid out to him that that's not what this is and so you get trapped alongside tom to like falling in love with summer Mm. when she's this isn't the one for him um so yeah um and i think after that movie came out it changed how romantic comedies were made as a result but that's another story um but the whole idea was inverting um or flipping the rom-com to be about a failed romance instead but with all the fun and charm of a rom-com and uh pat another movie i thought of enchanted you guys see enchanted it's a disney princess movie comes to modern new york with the guy from Grey's anatomy yeah mcsteamy or mcdreamy mcdreamy Mcdreamy, is it (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, i I do know Grey's anatomy (laughs) there's a mcsteamy in Grey's anatomy yeah oh oh really oh wow i was joking (laughs) no those both those mc we don't need to go into it if you have a Grey's anatomy podcast i'm there (laughs) all 19 seasons i've seen it but yes mcdreamy patrick dempsey dempsey is uh and enchanted yeah that's a good point you're making margaret like like and and pat as well it, it requires familiarity to invert something right otherwise inversion has no meaning and so you could do it with initial ip you know you could do it like mm-hmm. hypothetically i suppose you could do it with star wars or star trek or something where people are familiar with how this genre works and we could see characters who we think of as heroes become villains etc um but or you could do it with genre where genre is sort of defined as like we all agree that this is what makes this a rom-com or we all agree that this is what makes this noir and once you start changing that type of thing it it makes it really interesting and it kind of flips it so it's less of an inversion of like a particular ip that makes it interesting but of you know this sort of like we all got together and agree this is what a western is expectations yeah Yeah, exactly and then robert altman comes along and it's like oh no it's we're not going to do that anymore this is going to be something different and that's Mm -hmm. what makes it kind of cool or interesting um i don't know if escape from the planet of the apes is (laughs) oh you know what else does it is blade runner Mm. um blade runner the first one right Mm -hmm. um deco is the um detective the the blade one but in fact he is an android um and so then the next one which i've only seen like once um he is in fact the android and more like the mm. in a flipped position He's on the road. Yeah. Um, yep. but again 2049 yeah 2049 yeah so between yeah. blade one and blade one 2049 there's a reversal but of course that's also an, a non-human story so it's easy because mm. the whole thing is trying to mess with like okay, well, who's actually the more sympathetic, more human character in this story? Um, and it's not necessarily the human. Um, so so what did you guys think of the second oh, movie? Lord. Beneath Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I don't, it sounds like you guys really liked it. Yeah, we all, oh, man, it was the greatest movie <laughs> Super of all into time. it. I'm yeah. kind of jealous that I didn't mm-hmm. didn't have time to like watch it in the last few days. Oh. 
That movie was bad. I should have just yeah. called out sick from my new job and been like, look, I got stuff to do. <laughs> I gotta watch Beneath Planet of the Apes. <laughs> I could watch it in my cubicle. That movie was bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was just, I mean, there's just so many problems with it. I mean, the, my, the, my wife and I basically Mystery Science Theater 3000 did. I mean, we just, we just couldn't <laughs> stop. We just couldn't stop. Um, just making, I mean, like, they're just, it's so ridiculous. It makes no sense. I mean, there's, there's plot holes all over the place. Like, for example, just among the most obvious ones that I was asking is I go, why are they going to war with like the fire images when they don't know what's there? <laughs> like they literally take a whole army with cannons across the <laughs> desert. And then they're like, and then they just sort of show up there and then they start going into the tunnel in Long Island City, which we, my wife and I appreciated that because that was our subway stop. Queensborough <laughs> Plaza is our subway stop. So we very much appreciated that. But then they go into this tunnel there and I'm like, what did they do with their cannons? Why did they bring all these cannons here when they knew they could go in there? And then they go single file <laughs> into this city to go attack these people who could clearly take care of them. <laughs> but yet... The people just give up and they just don't actually try to fight them at all. I was I was baffled by that. Yeah. I yeah, I like the point you made. Like they they see verbal communication as opposed to mental telepathic communication as being uh, primitive, and yet they never shut up. Once they acknowledge this <laughs> primitive way of talking, they never fail to use it from, from here on. But it was also like, why does is it? Ta- it's not Taylor. It's Taylor the other Light. Guy. Taylor Light. Uh, Brent. Oh, Brent. Brent. Yep. Thank you, Brent. Yeah. So when Brent, I go, why does Brent? When they ask him, and they're like, "What are the apes planning?" Why doesn't he just say they're planning to invade here, and they have an army coming? <laughs> why does he lie? He has zero reason to do so, and they're torturing him, and yet he won't tell them what they want to know. Why doesn't he just tell them? Yeah, it may, it doesn't make any sense at all. I liked and, the hippie. I liked the hippie chimps, like the chimps <laughs> with like they're like clearly like anti-Vietnam signs, just like standing there. I enjoyed that. I I did like that they added another layer of this is Earth, and here's what happened to other humans that were on Earth. Right, that's like we can almost give them credit. But for that. what the heck happened to them? There's no explanation of what they're doing under there. How do they eat? How do they eat? They live underground. <laughs> they have no methods of food. Are they reproducing like, down there? Are these just the original they, from from the fallout? Of, yeah. When did the fallout happen? But it must have could, happened. That would have had to happen recently. Yeah. If, so they've just been yeah. hanging out there. So they're immortal. Yeah. The, well, the radiation extended their lives. It, it, is it that the implication? Them. No, no, I'm just, I'm trying. <laughs> You're just trying to save the movie. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> I mean, because then it would explain why they didn't fight back. That means that they've been living underground for like 1700 years. Like I could see them being like, this is not, this is not worth like fighting about. You can just kill us. <laughs> and then, but they oh, defend themselves enough. vigorously against the other humans. humans. So can they not telepath into the apes? That's what I thought, but, but there's evidence did. that they do. Oh, they, they do. They they show them like doing all their fancy fire things, and they show them doing lots of stuff to the apes. Oh, right, right. They can create the illusions, but I so I, and I guess the assumption is that's also just mind control. It wasn't. Well, even if they just dropped one line to explain yeah. that, I might have given. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. 
Well, I mean, mm. maybe they were thinking it. You just didn't hear it through the screen. Like, <laughs> True. That yeah. might have been the actual issue. There's a whole movie we missed there. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if you like turn on the closed captions, you get like an entirely different movie. That's have mistake. Everything. Yeah. This yeah. is like a totally. This is a movie. This is like. Yeah, this is meta. You were meant to scan the yeah. QR code on your way in, and you would got yeah, the yeah. whole story. It's inverting how we experience movies. movies. But the thing yeah. is, I, I was asking my wife. I go, I go. How did they get like the nuclear bomb? into St. Patrick's Cathedral. Like these things weigh like 10,000 pounds. How did they get that and the launching device into the, who moved it there? But I just, I, I'm perfectly willing to accept sci-fi and fantasy on its own grounds, but it has to be on its own grounds. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to at least make sense in your own world. So Yeah, essentially yet, that just shine a light on what you're doing. And yeah, it doesn't and that, need and to that, make yeah, makes yeah, sense. and that doesn't explain how Queensborough Plaza ended up right next to the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> <laughs> you just took a bunch of New York City seats. Although I liked Tom Tom's explanation. I go, so does that mean the apes all live on Long Island? <laughs> so that clearly they all. And he goes, well, that's probably why the 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 Statue of Liberty is there because when it got blown up, it floated away and it floated onto the South Shore of Long Island. It went, Oh, that's probably the most sensible thing about this entire movie. Really thought that through. They really thought through the tidal effects of, of you know the segment. I'm like, why is why is like Times Square right next to, to the New York Stock Exchange? I get it. You just wanted to have like places to shine and be like, this is New York City, but why? Yeah. I mean, I think I'd watch a movie called like Apes of Long Island. Like little, little film. Island of the Apes. I Long feel like Island I'm related. I I have enough people in my family who live on Long Island that Apes from Long Island could be like a biopic about my life and my and people I'm related to. And it would still be better than beneath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, there were so many other things, and I just can't remember how bad they were, but it was so much fun. Yeah. I also like how like Charlton Heston really just wasn't interested in doing more than X number of days shooting. So they hired a guy who docked. He showed up. I, was yeah. he was in that movie. I watched the documentary behind the planet of the apes and mm -hmm. he's in it and they ask him about it. And he's like, oh, I didn't want to be in it, but they really wanted me in it. So I said, look, I'll give you three days. You don't pay me whatever you're going to pay me. Give it a charity. And that's what we did. We spent three days, and I was on a horse, I think. And like he just kind of dismissed <laughs> the whole thing. So. I have a little he more did respect have a cameo with yeah. a Tim Burton one. Oh, he did that. Yeah. Oh, what yes. was his cameo? I forgot. So he was the dying father, and the I believe that he's like got one. Let me let me fact check myself. Remember, this <laughs> is like ten year old me watching this, uh, and this I was is, like, oh, this I saw is... this movie in theaters, and not again. I, I did as well. Oh, one of my favorite yeah, opening day. This was important. That's right, opening day. That was that was part of your <laughs> well, we formation. Also the movies a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he was in the two thousand one, and I believe he plays yeah, um, Helena Bonham Carter's dad, who was mm -hmm. um, because because he gets to say his line over again. Mm -hmm. So you know how in the first one he says, "Damn them, damn them all to hell." That's his dying words in the Tim Burton film. Uh, as well so it's like it's he's also able to like i hate every ape by c from chimpanzee to chimpanzee oh, my favorite charlton heston cameo is in i think it's the second wayne's world movie where they're like leaving the church and wayne asks a guy for directions and the actor's just not that good and wayne's like 
come on, can't we get a real actor here? And they bring in Charlton Heston, and he's like, you take a left down Broad Street. And <laughs> I don't, don't remember much, although I'm shocking myself how much I do remember about Planet of the Apes as this comes up. It's it's all like, I don't know, coming to the surface. <laughs> I, I may never knowledge. see four and five, but Caesar comes in in four and five, right? Which is kind of the source of the James Franco trilogy. Yeah, yeah, but it's different because in the James Franco, it's like a plague that takes humanity. It doesn't take mm-hmm. the, pets. the pets. Plus, it also oh. makes zero sense because they say in Escape like that it took several hundred years and basically you have slavery happening mm-hmm. and then this happens. Whereas that's not what happens with the whole situation with Caesar. That's like Oh, in the, I think it takes place in what, like the eighties. Yeah, late eighties, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't get it. They're like experimenting with him, right? Uh, yes, which is also out of the book. In the book, they do that with humans. Um, but yeah, so he grows up, and the, all the apes are enslaved, and then it's the circus handler that's like helping him still live in society, and he can talk and stuff. And then eventually, mm-hmm. I forget. I think the circus handler gets thrown out a window. So then Cesar gets real mad, and then he like gives a speech. I think I think he kills himself to protect to protect, protect Caesar. Him. Okay. From the this is from me reviewing the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then Caesar gives a big speech and like gets all the apes to rise up and kill all the humans. Yeah. So it, I think it's yeah. worth watching the fourth one, Tom. I do. The fifth one is is awful. Don't. Watch but it has John Houston. <laughs> I watched the fifth one too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> who had to pay his mortgage off? I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Since since we started the podcast, I've wanted to do this movie, but I didn't want to do Beneath. So I've been trying to think of a way to do the third one without doing the second one. And I, I think we got there. Yeah. Wow, Talking Studios, 